So I'm teaching the third part of a, of a four-part series. The sheets are, are going to be on the table, the handouts for the first parts that we've already done, if you haven't been here. I also have all of these act accessible on our website. So you can go and listen to all four parts, because this is really uh, uh, line upon line, verse upon verse teaching, and we need that. So today, part three, I'm going to give a teeny bit of a background before I get started. And that is I want to differentiate, again, I've done this the last two weeks, I'm going to do it again. I want to differentiate between being born in the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. Because mainstream Christianity often doesn't teach that there is any difference or that there is any distinguishing factors to those two amazing treasures that we have access to. And there is. There's a big um, um, differentiation. When we're born in the Spirit, we've heard of being born again. Um, and it's when we, we, with our heart, believe in Jesus, in his life, his death, his resurrection. We believe in God the Father, and we believe in the Holy Spirit. And we, we ask Jesus into our lives. We, we say, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And Jesus, will you come and take up residence in my heart? It is a very personal prayer. It's not religion. It's not checking something off. Okay, I've gone to church. I've made my, you know, what in my life. I've made my sacraments. I've done all of it. So therefore, I'm saved. No, that's not what it is. It is a heart decision. And when we make that decision, accept Jesus as our Savior, give him lordship over our life, he comes and takes up residence within us, and the Holy Spirit indwells us. Being born in the Spirit means that our nature has been changed. We're, the old has passed away, and we become new. In the Spirit part of us, we're perfected. All of the inheritance that Jesus purchased is ours, but it's ours in the spiritual realm. That's why you're coming to healing class. That's why you come to church. That's why you fellowship with believers. Because what is already ours, we want to um, build up in our soul, believing in our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, so that we'll see those blessings manifest in our life. So being born in the Spirit changes your nature. But being baptized in the Spirit is another experience. It talks about it in the Bible explicitly seven times. Four of those seven are prophetic words that John the Baptist speaks about Jesus, the one who will come after him. John said, I baptize with water, but one is coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Two of those um, um, accounts where it's explicitly talked about are Jesus himself where Jesus also says, okay, I'm going to send the promise. He talks about the promise many, many times, the promise of the Holy Spirit. But twice, he says, I'm going to send the promise, not many days from now, but wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he's promising the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is exactly what Jesus said. It is power. When we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, we have a new ability because we have the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So everything changes. Baptism in the Holy Spirit changes your ability and it gives you access to the abundance of life that Jesus came to give us. That abundance of life, I know, that's our, all of our dream, that's all of our goal, is to live every day to the full. And that happens because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me read the scripture. I already referred to it. It's Luke 24, verse 49. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That word endued means to sink into. It means to be clothed with. 
The word baptized in the spirit, the word baptized or baptism means to be immersed. So as we were just singing and worshiping about the presence of the Holy Spirit, and Lisa said, I sensed his presence, I sensed his power. That's because we're endued with the presence of God with the, through the Holy Spirit. Father God, Abba, is in heaven. Jesus is at his right hand, but the Holy Spirit's here with us. We need, to, we need to acknowledge that. So many times we don't even hear about the Holy Spirit, let alone know our benefits. That's why I believe it's so integral to our healing ministry. Because in order to, to live from blessing to blessing, we need the Holy Spirit. We need him. So last week I taught, I started to talk about the twofold purpose of the power that Jesus promises us, this power that we will be endued with, the twofold purpose. Last week, I talked about the first of those purposes, which is for you individually to be built up, to be strengthened, to be edified, to come to know the truth because the Holy Spirit will reveal the truth, to have the Holy Spirit, bring to your remembrance what you need, because that's one of the Holy Spirit's attributes. To um, point us to Jesus, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He testifies of Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. And that is one of the purposes of the power. If you're in a journey right now, a trial, a tribulation, a difficult time, the Holy Spirit's there for you. He's your helper. He's your counselor. That's why I'm teaching about the Holy Spirit now. I'm teaching what has lifted me up and carried me through some really crazy seasons in my life. And the Holy Spirit has been there for me. So that's the first purpose of the power is for you individually. The second purpose of the power is what we're going to talk about today. The second purpose of the power is for the Holy Spirit to work through you. For the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God and defeating the kingdom of darkness. That was Jesus's mission when he walked on this earth. But he's not on this earth anymore. He has endued us with the mission to carry out his mission, to be, we're called commissioned. That means with Jesus, with the spirit of Jesus who is with us here and now. And I'm gonna show you scriptures tonight that that is what we're called to do. We can't do it on our own. We certainly don't have any power, not an ounce on our own. But we have the power of God in us. We have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. The resurrection power of God is in us, for us individually, but also to work through us. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. So when Jesus was on this earth, he didn't start his ministry until he had the power of the Holy Spirit, until he was baptized in the Spirit. That's when he started his powerful teaching ministry, and that's when he started his miracle ministry. It was after he was endued with power. If Jesus had to wait, if Jesus needed the power of the Spirit, how much more do we need the power of the Spirit? Do you remember the scripture where Jesus said, it's important that I go because then the Holy Spirit will come and you will do even greater, even greater things than I've done. We need to be endued with power from on high. We're, we were created to be power assisted, but many born again Christians haven't received the fullness of the power. They've been born in the Spirit, so they have a new nature. But they haven't been baptized in the Spirit and endued with this power that we're going to be talking about all night tonight. Let me give you a, a worldly example that really it helps me to see the difference between being born in the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit. How many of you have, when you're driving, had the power steering go out on your car? Or maybe you've had a car a long, long time ago 
that didn't have power steering. Raise your hand if you've ever driven a car without power steering. I got some youngins here who don't even know what that looks like or feels like. Okay, well, I've never had a car without power steering because I'm just too young for that. But I have had it go out on me. I remember one time I was driving to school, and this is years ago, and I was um, on Romeo Road getting ready to turn north on Rochester Road. And it was raining really hard. And I was going through lots of water, and the under part of my car was all wet, and my power steering went out. And when I went to turn onto Rochester Road, it was so hard. It's like it took, it took muscles to pull that steering wheel, you know, to turn that corner. And it, it scared me because I've never driven a car without power steering, and I didn't even know what was happening. But I was in traffic, and I had to do something. When I went around the corner and I got moving north on Rochester Road, it, it, went, it came back. The power steering came back. And when it came back, of course, it was absolutely with ease. Now, we all, typically, we always drive with power steering, and we know how easy it is. You can turn your wheel, you know, three times around with a finger if you wanted to. You can drive like my husband does with his knee when he's eating his McDonald's, right? Because it's so easy. Now, think about the difference between driving without power steering and driving with power steering. You can still steer, but it's sure a lot harder. That's just a, a crazy world example of the difference between being born in the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. We need the power. God wants us to live with the power of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to talk about the second part of this purpose, which is for the Holy Spirit to work through you, to move through you. And the first scripture that I'm going to show you is that we are intended for the Spirit to work through us to be a witness to Jesus. So let's read the scripture. This is Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. So, Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit. And he tells, there's about a, a 500 people right here that he's talking to. And when he talks to those 500 people, he said, do not go out and, 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 and minister. Wait. Wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. Why did he say that? Because they needed the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to testify of Jesus. And then after Jesus told them to wait, he said, you're going to receive power. That word power is the Greek word dunamis. The word dunamis is the same root word that our word dynamite comes from. Think about the power in one stick of dynamite. One stick of dynamite, if it was in this room and set off, the whole room would probably be completely obliterated. That's a lot of power. The power of the Holy Spirit is immense. When we've received, when we've been endued with this power from on high, it is inherent. It becomes inherent in us. That, this is what inherent means. Permanent and inseparable. Jesus told us that when this promise comes, that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will dwell with us forever. He is permanent and inseparable. And the Holy Spirit resides in a Holy Spirit-filled believer by virtue of the Holy Spirit's nature within me and through me. This power is miracle-working power. It's miracle-working power. That man, Mikey was his name in Switzerland. That's Miracle-working power. The doctor's report didn't even give a smidge of hope, at least not for instantaneous recovery. 
the only hope was for years of recovery. And they didn't even know if he would ever come out of that coma. But the Holy Spirit, the power, the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit changed that story completely around. Praise you, Jesus. This power is the power such as that which rests in armies, forces, or hosts, like hosts of angels. There's a song out there that's called Angel Armies. It's about angel armies. So put that in your head. Put that in your heart. When you're contemplating, when you're meditating on this power of the Holy Spirit, like a host of angels in you to work through you for people, for God's people. And then scripture says the purpose of this power is to witness. When you have that power, you'll be witnesses to me. That word witness means one who remembers. One who remembers. We need to remember what God's done in our life. Last night I had a woman come and she asked for prayer um, at the beginning of the meeting. She's on our ministry team. I know her really well. She's a beautiful woman. She came about a half an hour early and she, she needed prayer for a specific thing. She was praying for AFib that she was experiencing. And she said, Cindy, I remember a time about, she didn't tell me the exact date, but she says, I remember a time I came to a service you were going to be teaching, and I had such an issue with my heart. I, and she had a wedding that day, a family wedding she wanted to go to, and she felt so bad she didn't think she could go. She managed to get to church. It was after the message was done. She sat in the front row. When I laid hands on her that day, the power of the Holy Spirit went through her into her heart and regulated it quickly, immediately. She was so much better. She was able to go to that wedding that day. So yesterday, she comes to our meeting, and before I prayed for her, she was remembering what the Holy Spirit had done a few years ago, expecting the same thing. She was feeding her soul. She was witnessing to herself and preparing to receive from the Holy Spirit. So a witness is one who remembers, but we need to do it on purpose. We need to think back to what we've seen the Holy Spirit do, especially if we're in a time where we've been waiting and not seeing what we're expecting. We need to remember because that's going to fuel the, the, our ability to believe and receive. Secondly, a witness has information or knowledge. Think about a, a judicial system. When they call a witness, it's somebody who has information or knowledge about that situation that they can shine light on it, right? Well, we have information. We have knowledge. We have good news about our Jesus that we can share. That's why I'm so excited to share this series of teaching because I want to witness about Jesus and I want to witness about the spirit of Jesus that is right here with us now and that we need, especially when you're in a journey of healing. So a witness, one who has knowledge, one who has information. Thirdly, a witness is one who provides evidence to prove something. Think back to the judicial system. When they call a witness, they, are, they want somebody that will provide evidence to, prove, to either prove guilt or innocence for that situation. So that's what we are. We are witnesses who give evidence through words and through power and actions, through testimonies, to prove to people that Jesus is who he said he is, that God sent Jesus to heal us, that by his stripes we were healed, and that healing is for today. That's why testimonies are so powerful, because what are we doing? We're giving witness to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. And he, I believe he doesn't just empower the giver. He also empowers the receiver. He empowers the receiver to be built up and edified and, and stir your expectancy to receive what God has for you. So that's what witnesses do. And then scripture says that the witnesses were supposed to go out and witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And if we read the book of Acts, that's exactly what happened. They started out in Jerusalem, and that very first day, 3,000 people were saved. They started meeting in one another's homes, and they were, all they could do was talk about God. They praised, they worshiped, they prayed, they shared the Lord's Supper, they fellowshiped, and they talked about God. And people kept coming and coming and hearing and hearing. And the scripture talks numerous times about 5,000 people were added. Many, many more were added. It keeps talking and giving reports of how many people gave their hearts to Jesus. Because what they were testifying of. Because of how they were being a witness. But they didn't stop in Jerusalem. Because they started to spread out, especially when persecution came. They started to spread out into the, the region, which was Judea. But then they went even further. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures today where they went into Samaria, where they went to the Gentiles. That's what it says, Samaria. And then they went even further. They went to basically everything they, or everywhere that they knew about at that time. They went around the Mediterranean Sea and all of the lands in Asia and Asia Minor. They went to the, the major cities of Ephesus and Corinth and Athens and, and littler towns like um, uh, on the islands. And then they went, yeah, to Crete. And then they went to, um, uh, Paul ended up in Rome. And he was on his way to Spain. They went as far as they could go. Why? Because they had some really good news. They taught about Jesus. They taught about his death and his resurrection. And they gave, they imparted the Holy Spirit everywhere they went. We're going to read that as we go on. But that's not where it stopped. Because here we are in 2021 in Rochester, Michigan, talking about that same Holy Spirit, our Jesus and everything that he did. Because that witnessing spreads. It's a ripple effect. Everybody that has received, almost everybody, goes out and talks about it. They tell their family, they tell their, their Jerusalem, their Judea, their Samaria, and they spread, the word just goes out. So typically when the Holy, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit with this power to witness, it's not you anymore. It's the Holy Spirit anointing you. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. You'll be talking to somebody and it doesn't feel like you anymore. There's something that rises up in you boldness, um, courage, um, an ability to speak, and you know it's not you because it's better than what you could do, or you say it in a, a, in a very clear way that doesn't, you, you don't think you could do on your own. It's because the Holy Spirit is speaking through you with that power. So often when we are born again, when we're baptized in the Spirit, we start with a small circle. It's our Jerusalem. Our close friends, our family, our, our, our people that maybe are in our small group at church. And we, and we just can't get enough. I love to see people that are just growing like sponges. And they're just, they're just soaking in everything that you can give to them. So that's our Jerusalem. Our Judea is when you just branch out a little bit. You're still in the same culture. Maybe you go to a conference. And everybody there is excited because they're, they're hungry like you. So you've got that same culture. But it's, it's, you're moving out a little bit, a little bit distance. I always feel like these healing meetings are my Judea. I love to teach healing. But when you come to me, it's so easy. You're literally drawing the Holy Spirit from me. It's not me. It's you drawing hungering, wanting to know. And that just pulls it from me, the Holy Spirit, to flow through me. This is like my Judea. Samaria is a little bit different. Samaria is when there's a different culture. I was talking about Alice last night. I'll use her as an example again tonight because she's really good at going into Samaria. Myers, she's, she's a Myers girl. You can't believe how many people have been saved in Myers and Costco because of that lady. She is very bold. Wherever she goes, she shares Jesus. And that's Samaria because she doesn't know their background. She doesn't know if they're believers or if they're even close. She doesn't know if they're going to, like, fight 
or run, <laughs> but she's bold and courageous. That's Samaria. Um, when we went to the Cancer Center Treatments of America, when I was going through treatment last year, it was my Samaria, but the Holy Spirit anointed it in an amazing way. One of the people, I, I prayed and I talked and I encouraged so many people. And it wasn't because I was saying, okay, here I am a healing teacher and there's all these people who have cancer. That's not what it was. It was the, the um, uh, it was God um, illuminating one person at a time, one couple at a time. And, and the Holy Spirit would just, it would just be, I would draw on to a specific person. One of the people that I, I was amazed with was my doctor. His name was Dr. Abu Talib. And I, I knew he was Indian, but I thought he was Christian because he made a comment about halfway through my, my um, time that I was seeing him where he's very jovial and he loves to laugh and joke and encourage. He's, a very, he's very much an encourager. But one day he got really serious and he said, I will pray for you. And he said, I mean that. I will pray for you. So when he said that, I, my heart was soaring. And I thought, Jesus, he's a Christian. All this time, I didn't think he was a Christian, but he must be a Christian because he said he would pray for me. So I was just ecstatic. And that day, I was um, in, in, in taking a chemo treatment, and I was journaling and having my spa day as chemo was dripping in. I was just loving on Jesus, and he was loving on me. And um, I was journaling, and God spoke to me about my doctor. And he gave me a word for the doctor. And it was long. I can't remember all of it. But at the end, God said, I am well pleased with Dr. A. That's what everybody calls him there is Dr. A. I am well pleased with Dr. A. And well, I didn't get to see him that visit. And I didn't get to share this with him until a long time because I had there were two doctors that I saw and I didn't see him again for a while. So I was there in July. And when I saw him in July, and I got an amazing, another amazing report, because I am completely well, praise you God. And I said, Pat, Pastor, Dr. Abu Talib, there's something I want to share with you. And I had my journal with me, and I opened it up, and I said, I felt like God spoke to me about you. And he was just awed. He was just awed. He said, really? And I said, yeah, and I, and I wrote it down, and this is what he said. And I he couldn't read my writing very well because it was real messy. I said, can I read it to you? And he said, just a minute, just a minute. Can I record it? So he turned on his phone to record it. So I read the whole thing for him as he was recording it, and he was in tears. He was literally in tears. And then after, he, after I read it to him, he said, can I take a picture? I want to show this to my wife and to my daughter. So he took a snapshot of my journal page, and then he came and gave me a big hug, and then he said this to me. He said, I'm Muslim. And it was like, <laughs> I'm sharing Jesus like crazy with this man, right? And I had been, because after that time months ago when he told me he was going to pray for me, I'm telling, I mean, and I even before then I had shared my faith with him and about our healing ministry and about my previous healing and, and all sorts of things I'd shared with him. And it was all about Jesus, and he never told me he was Muslim until that last day. And it was okay, you know. He heard about Jesus. He was witness to, and it wasn't even about me, because I'm sure he sees a lot of people healed. It was about God being pleased with him. That's evidently what the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit was wooing him. I don't know. All I know is it was Samaria because completely different culture, completely different belief system, but it didn't matter. And then the last of the areas is the ends of the earth. And my prayer, guys, I've been praying this, and this has been, I've prayed it before, but recently it's just getting bigger in my heart. And my prayer is that God will expand our territory to take this message to the world. A lot, I mean, a lot goes out. That's why Kent tapes this on Tuesday nights. A lot goes out. A lot of people listen, like your friend in Switzerland that want this website, right? And it does, but I'm praying for more. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't need to because I trust God with all my heart. 
and know that he's doing the rest. John 15, listen to this word. It's about witnessing, verse 26 and 27. But when this helper, the comforter, the advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify and bear witness about me. But you will also testify and be my witnesses because you've been with me from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit always testifies of Jesus. And scripture says, we also will testify of Jesus, but it's with the Holy Spirit through us. We work together to testify of Jesus. And here's um, a word that God spoke to me just this week. It's Proverbs 23, verse 15 and 16. And I believe this might speak loudly to you as well. He said to me, he said, my beloved child, when your heart is full of wisdom, my heart is full of gladness. And when you speak anointed words, we are speaking mouth to mouth. And in my um, study notes, this is what it said. Mouth to mouth means your lips shall speak with my lips. That's the Holy Spirit. That is the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. I just felt the Holy Spirit just settle on that right now. That's the Holy Spirit's power through us to testify of Jesus and to change hearts and to change lives and to draw us to him. And it's not just a one-time thing because I, don't, I think every one of you here are strong believers. But yet, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling the drawing right now to him through his message, through this message that he's sharing with all of us right now. So this power of the Holy Spirit works through us to witness, but also to advance the kingdom of God because witnessing isn't just with words. It's also with power. So this power works through us for miracles, signs, and wonders to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, right? To do everything that Jesus did when he walked on this earth. The Holy Spirit empowers us in the same way that Jesus did when he walked on this earth. So the first scripture I'm going to read that gives evidence that we are supposed to be kingdom people. We are supposed to be kings and priests unto God, doing our job and allowing the spirit to flow through us. And the first example just amazes me because this is in Matthew chapter 10. And Jesus is imparting the Holy Spirit before the, the, the price has been paid for sin. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit couldn't yet reside in the people because they still had a sin nature. But the Holy Spirit could come upon the people, just like in the Old Covenant times, where the Holy Spirit, in the Old Covenant dispensation, the Spirit would come for a certain purpose, for a certain time, but then the Spirit would be lifted. So look at this example. Jesus gathered his 12 disciples and imparted to them the authority to cast out demons and to heal every sickness and every disease. That's both aspects of Jesus' mission, destroying darkness and advancing the kingdom. Verse 7, and as you go, preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible, close enough to touch. You must, you must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick and make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people. Make it your habit and raise the dead back to life. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom. So freely release it to others. And they did. Those 12 disciples, they went out and they were amazed because Jesus told them to do it and it worked because the Holy Spirit was working through them. That's what we're talking about today. The Holy Spirit working through us. 
And I love the, the wording. I need to take this for me. Because God says, continually do this, Cindy. Continually bring healing. Continually make it your habit to break off those demonic presences. Make, and I believe it also means make it your habit to raise people from the dead. Why? Because we have the kingdom of God in us. The kingdom realm is accessible, but it's up to us to release it. Well, how do we release it? By believing, <laughs> by believing the Holy Spirit's in me and I'm trusting God when I go lay hands on Lisa that that pain has to go. That when I lay hands on that phone, that man has to wake up. It's, it's believing. the whole, I, Usually we don't feel anything. Sometimes we do. Lisa felt something. I didn't. Lisa did. It doesn't matter. We don't go by feelings. We go by the word. Amen. The next scripture I want to read is Mark 16. This scripture, this account takes place after Jesus has died for us, after he's been resurrected to new life, after he has destroyed sin once and for all and defeated the devil. But he hasn't yet ascended into heaven. So he's still on the earth. And right before he ascends, he gives us the commission. This is what he says. Go into all the world. Preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. Let's stop there for just a minute. The only qualification is believing. The only sin that will cancel out your eternal life with God, you'll still have eternal life, but you'll be separated from God. The only thing that will keep you from being in the presence of God is not believing. Verse 17, and these miracle signs, huh, these powerful dunamis miracle signs will follow those who believe. They will drive out demons in my name. They will speak in tongues. We're going to talk a lot more about that this week and next week. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. I believe that means we're protected. And, I'm, and we're not going to fool with snakes or drink anything poisonous. But if we do accidentally, we're going to be protected. They, and, um, and they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. That's for us. And then the next verse says, after saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven and sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of God. And the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere as the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracle signs that accompanied them. That's what we're here doing today. That verse 20 is on our webpage where it's all about our ministry. Because that's my heart, is that we share amazing news and God confirms his word through miracles and signs and wonders, through healings, through lives changed. And he does. Awesome. Thank you, God. And then we start seeing this played out in the book of Acts. I'm going to read just two short scriptures, Acts 4.33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. So there's the apostles, chapter 4. They were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit in chapter 2. And chapter 4, they're going out there with the power to witness. And then the next one is, I believe, chapter 14 of Acts. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. There it is, the witness evidence of Jesus and his finished work. So this power, the same power, is available today. And it's for you. And it's for me. It is for everyone. It's not just for special people. It's not just for somebody who has a special gift. It is for every believer. In Peter, um, I'm sorry, in Acts, this is Peter talking, but it's in the book of Acts chapter 2. 
This account takes place. Will you go to the next slide, honey? This account takes place at, on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit has just fallen. And Peter, for the first time, is anointed with the Holy Spirit's power. And he preaches this amazing message. 3,000 people. I don't even know how they heard it. I always wonder without a mic system how in the world they heard it. That had to be the Holy Spirit. But they heard it. And 3,000 people were cut to the heart. And they said, what must we do to have what you have? And Peter said this. He said, repent and return to God. And each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the Holy Spirit. You see, first comes being born again. And then subsequently is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I just, feel, and I just felt that in my hands. I just felt the power in my hands when I said that. For God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families. For those yet to be born and for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. That promise is for us, guys. It hasn't died away. Next week, I'm going to address the lie that miracles, signs, and wonders have ceased with the apostolic age. We're going to address that lie. It is not true. I've lived the power. I have lived hearing from God, being um, you know, led by God, and seeing the results, and I believe it. God is faithful to his word. He says it. I believe it. He never, ever in the Bible says, this is only going to last until the apostles are gone and you don't need it anymore. He never says that. I believe the word. But we're going to address that next week. So this is where I want to go now. I want to answer the question, how do I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I've shared a lot of truth about the Holy Spirit over the last three weeks. And the, the, the pieces that I want to share today and next week are receiving. Because there's, uh, I, my heart hurts when I talk to people who want the Holy Spirit. But they say, but I, ha I can't receive for whatever reason. They say, I'm not able to receive. Well, that's a bunch of baloney. The promise is for you. Receiving is for you. Just like salvation. Just like healing. Just like any other part of the redemptive package, it's ours. But I want to share with you biblically how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that today. And we're also going to start to talk about a biblical evidence that is talks about in the Bible all the time. And that is praying in tongues or speaking in the, your prayer language. That's going to be our main focus next week. We're going to talk about the benefits and the why speaking in tongues or praying in tongues is so powerful and so important. You don't have to, you could be baptized in the spirit and not pray in the spirit, but you're missing out on a whole lot. You don't have to pray in tongues, but you get to. So we're going to talk about that a lot next week, a little bit this week. But what I want to share with you today are three, they're, they're not in order, they're not sequential. But three things that I feel are very important in receiving the baptism of the Spirit. And the first one is be willing to be open-minded. Be willing to receive truth from the Bible about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Be meek, be teachable. And open your ears and hear the word of the Lord. Hear what the Bible says about the baptism of the Spirit. Because you may have heard what man says that is contrary to the Word of God. Don't listen. Choose to believe God over man if man doesn't agree with the Word of God. If man agrees, then, there, then there's an agreement, and that's powerful. But there are teachers out there that teach against baptism in the, in the Spirit or against speaking in tongues. And that's why I'm using the word so much when I teach this. So my first, my first key is to be open and to receive knowledge. Um, a few years ago, probably 10 years ago, 
my family and I, all my immediate family, we all went to a Catholic charismatic conference. And the reason we went, I was born again, and I was not, um, uh, that's my foundation of faith, but I wasn't going to the Catholic church. I was going to a charismatic, spirit-filled church. But this was a way that I could come into unity with my family. So we all went together to this charismatic conference, and it was powerful. It was an amazing conference. The first night was all about salvation, and they had an altar call for salvation. It was pretty awesome. But anyway, the second day they had breakout sessions, and one of them was on the baptism of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. And they know that I'm baptized in the Spirit, and my sister is as well. And so all my brothers and sisters were saying, okay, this is kind of weird, but we want to know more about it. So we went to this breakout session, and I was so upset because they didn't teach anything from the Bible. They, they kind of told them a little bit, and they prayed a prayer, and then they wanted them to speak in tongues. And they were freaked out. It was weird. It didn't, they didn't have knowledge. So that night, we went back to our rooms, and we, we all, by all my siblings, we came together into one hotel room, and I opened the Bible, and I started to teach them about the baptism of the Spirit from the Bible. I said, there, there was a problem there today. It's real, but they didn't give us the Bible part of it. So let me share with you the Bible part of it so you can see what this is all about. Because I believe we need that. That is a key to receiving, to have that knowledge. Because why? It's going to stir your faith to believe and receive. So let me read two pieces of scripture to show you that that's what happened in the book of Acts. The first one I think I forgot to put on your handout, but it's Acts chapter 10. This is under number one, be willing to receive further revelation. And I'm going to read from Acts chapter 10. Little background before I read this. This is when the first time that the um, the gospel of Jesus and the baptism of the Spirit came to the Samaritans and the Gentiles, not the Jewish, but the Gentiles. And the Holy Spirit, so cool, was the, an, an angel came first of all to this the Italian guy named Cornelius, and he talked to Cornelius and he says, "Okay, I want you to send for this man named Simon Peter." Who, and he told him where he was and all. And he said, send for him. Have him come to you. And then listen to what he has to say. That's what we're talking about. Be open. Listen to what God has to say. Then God spoke to Peter. Peter was on the deck. He was on the roof. He was just get waiting for dinner. He was hungry. He was physically hungry. And while he was waiting for dinner, he was praying. And God, in a vision, lowered the sheep, and on the sheep were all kinds of animals, but they were considered unclean animals to the Jewish tradition. And, and it came down, and it went up, it came down, it went up three times. And he heard God say, take and eat. And he said, no, God, no. I told God no. He said, no, those are unclean. I have never eaten anything unclean. I cannot eat that. And God said, don't you call unclean what I call clean. And then the very next thing he heard God again, he said, and God said, there are some people at your door and they want you to go with them. Go. It's okay. Go with them. So these were the Samaritans. And when they came, um, when these were the Gentiles. And when they came, Peter went with them because of that experience, because God had told him. And he heeded it. He heeded what he heard from God. And that's where I'm going to pick up. So they went to Caesarea. That's where Cornelius lived. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So you see, Cornelius listened to God. He said, not only am I going to be ready to listen, the people I care about, I'm calling them too because I want them to hear too. Next slide. Cornelius told them, four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me, and he told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now, send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. 
Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given to you. That's what we need to do, guys. We need to be here saying, okay, God, tonight, or people that are listening to this, this word on the internet, today, God, what do you want me to hear? I'm ready. I want to hear. I want to receive what you have for me. And so Peter started to share the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to skip a few verses. I'm going to go to verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out to the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking with tongues and praising God. The same way they had been filled. So they, they heard the message. They must have believed, because that's the first step, believing, receiving Jesus into their heart. And then they were immediately filled with the Holy Spirit. But they were ready to hear. The next example is Acts chapter 19, very similar. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we've not so much as heard about the Holy Spirit. So, so Paul said to them, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So here these believers were. They were disciples. They were disciples. That means they were taught. They believed. And yet when Paul said, have you received the Holy Spirit? They said, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the key is being open to hear, being open. There's a lot of people in this world that are the same way. They know about Jesus, but they haven't heard of the Holy Spirit, or they haven't heard of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Next slide. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And, and, so first they were saved. They were baptized. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So they heard, and then they received. So be open to hear. That's why I spent all this time teaching. Number two, ask. Ask, seek, and knock. Luke 11, so it is with your prayers. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll discover. Knock on heaven's door and it'll be open for you. Every persistent person will receive what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. So last night I was reading this and God just enlightened something to my heart. This can be taken two ways. And I believe many of us have, have understood this maybe incorrectly, where we think we have to ask and ask and ask and ask and knock and knock and knock and knock and, and, and seek and seek and seek and seek. And those who, who say, I haven't yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is what they're doing. They're striving, asking and seeking and knocking and asking and seeking and knocking. And for whatever reason, they don't feel like they've been baptized. But that's not what the scripture says. This scripture is talking about the person who has a persistent, consistent prayer life. Who consistently seeks God about every need, about every concern. Who goes to God for everything, every day, every situation, no matter how little or how big. Because when we do, we find. When we do, the heavens are open. And we know that they're not always opened immediately. We know that. We know that God's plan and his way of answering isn't what we would dictate to him, but his way is always better. His timing is always perfect. But I believe this refers to being um, the, the person who is in that um, secret place and under the shadow of the Almighty day by day by day. And then the next verse says, Jesus is speaking. This is so tender. He says, let me ask you this. Do you know of any father 
who would give his son a snake on a plate when he asked for a serving of fish? Of course not. Do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider when she asked for an egg? Of course not. If imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children, lovingly, and give them what they need, how much more, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's fullness, when his children ask him? That's what we're talking about, the Holy Spirit's fullness. This is such a beautiful word right here. And I believe, let me just break this down a little bit. It talks about the, the imperfect father. But the examples it uses are, would a, would a father give a snake to his son when he asked for fish? Or would he give his daughter a spider when she asked for, for whatever, an egg? Those, I believe, the snake and the spider, could be a connotation of the demonic. And what does Jesus say? Of course not. And he says, I'm a perfect my father's perfect. Guys, our perfect father will not give us something demonic when we ask for something good. People are afraid of the Holy Spirit. They're afraid they're going to get something demonic. You're not going to get something demonic when you ask for tongues, when you ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because our daddy is a good daddy, and he gives us what we need. He gives us good gifts. He cares about us lovingly, just like the father in, this, in, the, in the story that Jesus is telling. And it says he will give us when we ask. He will give us the fullness of the spirit when we ask. So we need to ask. We simply, and just like every other part of grace, every other part of the redemption of Jesus, it's received by believing, asking, and, rec and receiving, believing, asking, and receiving. And then the third key is laying out of hands. You don't have to have hands laid on you, but it's an extra bonus. It's like spiritual jumper cables, ju jumper cables. And be why? Because the Holy Spirit's in me. And when I lay hands, there is an impartation of the Holy Spirit. I believe it. And if you Believe it and receive it. It's powerful. So let's read what scripture says. Acts chapter 8. This is one of the most common ways that people were baptized in the spirit in the book of Acts. Was hearing about the spirit and then having hands laid on them. So one more example. Philip traveled to a Samaritan city and preached to them the wonderful news of the anointed one. So there's the, the word going out. The crowds were eager to receive Peter's message. That's the drawing of the Spirit. They were eager to receive that message and were persuaded by the many miracles and wonders he performed because when the word goes forth, God confirms the word with signs and wonders. Many demon-possessed people were set free and delivered as evil spirits came out of them with loud screams and shrieks because we have the power to destroy the kingdom of darkness through the, through the power of the Spirit. And many who were lame and paralyzed were also healed. That's advancing the kingdom of God with the power of the Spirit. This resulted in an uncontainable joy filling the city. But as Peter preached that wonderful news of God's kingdom realm and the name of Jesus the Anointed One, many believed his message and were baptized, both men and women. So that's being born in the Spirit. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had accepted God's message of life, they sent Peter and John to pray over them so they would receive the Holy Spirit. This was just the way it happened. It's what was expected. Believe in Jesus, be born again, and receive the power of the Spirit. They went hand in hand. For they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and were yet to have the Holy Spirit fall upon them. As soon as Peter and John arrived, they laid their hands on the Samaritan believers, one after another, and the Holy Spirit fell and filled them all. Amen. Hallelujah. 
So they laid hands on them, and that impartation went forth. So prayer ministers, believers, it can be anybody, are conduits of power of God. My faith connects with your faith. The power of the Spirit is, is, is imparted, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit results. So we're going to pray in just a minute. But before we pray, I want to give you one last piece of wisdom from the Word, and that is don't let the devil steal from you. We're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray, if you've already been filled, for a fresh infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But don't let the devil steal from you. I know when I was baptized in the Spirit that day, I went wanting the Spirit. It was in April. I was saved in February, and it was two months later, and I just like the Bible. So I was born again in the Spirit. I wanted to be baptized in the Spirit. I wanted everything God had for me. And I went to church that day knowing I was going to ask for the baptism of the Spirit. And when I received prayer and laying out of hands, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel the presence of the Spirit. I did start praying in tongues. I, whatever came to my mind, out of my you know, belly, it feels, I feel like it's almost like a river or a waterfall. It just kind of bubbles up and comes out. But I just spoke what came out of me. But then afterwards, the devil, stupid devil, he was saying, that wasn't real. You know, that was just, that's just you making up those words. You didn't feel anything. You didn't probably get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what the devil tries to do. I'm going to show you that in one short scripture. This is Matthew chapter 13. This is the last scripture we're going to read. This is the parable of the sower. And I just want to refer to the first seed, the first soil type, the soil by the wayside, where the seed fell, but the birds came and ate it immediately. Verse 19, Jesus is explaining the parable. And this is what he says. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom. And today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. They hear the message of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But they don't understand it. And then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. That happens all the time. Where people have received because they've asked in faith and they have received but they don't believe it. And so that spirit, that precious Holy Spirit is dormant. Just, you, we have to activate them. We're going to talk about that next week, activating the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So don't let the devil steal. If you receive for the first time tonight, if you pray this prayer for the first time tonight, believe it. Believe that it's yours. And say, thank you, God. So how do I know that I was filled? Because of the evidence. Yeah, it's so cool. Because I've been filled with the Spirit for many years. And I have seen the evidence of the baptism of the Spirit. The evidence of the power. Sherry? So this is what we're going to do. There's a prayer on your sheet. We're going to pray it together. I would like... I would like us to pray it together and then if you would like if your heart is stirring right now if you would like a fresh infilling or a deepening infilling maybe you I've been like this guys I feel almost dry where like Holy Spirit I know you're there but I'm not feeling you I'm not experiencing you if you're feeling like that and you just want a fresh impartation I want you to stand if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in tongues, I'm going to want you to stand. And I'm doing that because I don't want anybody to feel out of place in any way. So if either of those are you, go ahead and stand up right now. We're, going to pray. We're all going to pray the prayer together. If you want to stand up later, feel free. If everybody ends up standing, that's okay. And after we pray, I'm going to have Kent put on a beautiful song. The scripture says, that when the Holy Spirit fell, they prayed in tongues and they worshiped God. They praised God. So after we pray this, I'm going to simply lay hands on the people who are standing. 
because I believe an impartation is going to go forth. I feel his power and his presence. Not that I have to feel it, but I do. So I am going to believe that when we lay hands on you, that that impartation flows powerfully. And while you're standing, while you're waiting, we'll be praising and praying in the Spirit. So if you have your prayer language and you want to pray in the Spirit, please pray quietly. We don't want to distract people or freak people out. So just pray gently, quietly. And if you want to sing with the music and worship, it's just the only words are praise him. Simple words, beautiful melody, and we will praise God together. Okay. So let's pray with me. Would you just read this with me slowly and from the depth of your heart if you want this full baptism of the Spirit. Father, your word says that the Holy Spirit is a gift. I do not have to work for it. All I need to do is believe your promise, ask and receive. So I ask you to baptize me now with your Holy Spirit. I desire your impartation in every part of my life. I want to receive all that you have for me. My heart cry is for a radical transformation in my walk with you. Consume me, O oh God, with your holy fire. I receive your promise, your gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. 